Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, February 7th, 2020. On today's show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Okay, let's dive into it. Uh, let's talk about a story that broke uh, two days ago. This is a, a big one. This is who is going to replay Who's going to replace director Scott Derrickson on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? And this is kind of a shocker. It's not like, you know, Marvel is used to hiring like these up and comers from Sundance, uh, you know, I mean, auteurs, but like up and cut, like, you know, people that I feel like they can have some control over. But what we actually have here is someone returning to Marvel for the first time since Spider-Man. It's Sam Remy. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, now that Scott Derrickson is out for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Marvel needed a replacement. And honestly, I can't imagine finding a better person for uh, this movie than Sam Raimi. This is awesome. Uh, he directed all three of the Spider-Man movies in the first trilogy with Tobey Maguire. Um, this was before you know superhero movies were as big as they are now. Spider-Man was one of the earliest uh, you know, blockbuster comic book movies after X-Men started this huge resurgence um, of interest in them and sparked the was, was basically the superhero craze uh, where studios started snatching up every comic book property they could. Brad, and I'm so, sure listeners are screaming at you that you're you're uh, perpetuating Blade Erasure right now. <laughs> Don't, I don't know don't, what Blade is. Sorry. Don't forget the 1998 <laughs> movie Blade that really yes, kick-started this I, whole thing. Yeah, I forgot about the, that, that Blade was the movie where everyone was like, man, we should get some of these comic book characters up here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Sam Raimi, uh, not only does he have a comic book movie experience, but he also is very well known for his penchant for horror, starting with uh, Evil Dead. And then he uh, rode that entire franchise and basically you know, evolved it from being this um, gruesome kind of horror movie to what became more of a campy horror comedy franchise in the end. So taking somebody like that to Marvel Studios sounds awesome because Marvel, you know, has always had uh, a, a lean into comedy throughout their comic book, you know, action and drama. But we've also heard that they're supposed to be more of a horror element for in the multiverse of madness. And Sam Raimi has experience with all of that. So this this really is exciting. I'm, I'm very, very interested in seeing what he does with material like this. Although Kevin Feige has been kind of downplaying the horror element, which led some people to believe that that was why Scott Derrickson left, which is which I hear is not the case. I, I just hear that they, you know, were just not on the same page um, creatively. But um, it's interesting here because Sam Raimi directed, you know, the three Spider-Man movies uh, for Marvel and Sony. And uh, the second movie, I think most a lot of people for the longest time would say that that was the best superhero film of all time and actually some people probably still say that that's the best superhero film of all time uh but you know Spider-Man 3 was kind of a bit of a mess and uh got critically slammed it got slammed by fans i don't think anybody really loves Spider-Man 3 so the the big question here is uh Ben why do you think Sam Raimi is is wanting to come back to superheroes um well he hasn't i mean what was the last movie he directed was it uh was it the horror film um 
God, I'm I'm blanking on the name of it. The the uh, yeah, uh, de- it... Uh, de- uh, drag me to drag... hell, right? No, I'll no, no, no. Oh, that's right, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. It seems like horror is just in his in his blood, and um, Oz the Oz the Great and Powerful. Wow, talk about a movie that just straight up does not exist. Wait, uh, wait, well, was that really his last movie? I think <laughs> that, it that was like so been. long ago. That was like what five years ago or something at Maybe. this point. Well, let me pull up. Yeah, that, was, right that was his last feature film. Since then, he has directed two episodes of Rake, an episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead, and a short called The Black Gandola. So so wow. maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he needs Marvel more than Marvel needs him. Do you know what I mean? Like That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, maybe he's he has been trying to make stuff and just hasn't been able to get it off the ground. That's pure speculation on my part. I have no idea what, you know, maybe he's he, just been completely just recently content. I re- just recently, I read actually though, as recently or as far back rather as 2015, he had expressed interest in directing a Marvel Studios movie. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he's just like this is the character that I'm most interested in of the stable, and and you know he's he's seeing his window and trying to shoot his shot. You know, so uh, I don't know. I feel like he's a good fit for this because there are so many options in the Doctor Strange multiverse to sort of like get a little weird and, and let him, you know, like create some, some stylish flourishes that, um, that give a filmmaker the opportunity to go a little bit outside of the box of what, uh, the classic Marvel studios, you know, uh, style house style is. And I think that would be a, a good way for him to sort of have his cake and eat it too. Being able to, you know, work in the studio system with uh, basically what is almost guaranteed to be a mega budget, uh, you know, big blockbuster hit, and then also put a little bit of himself and his personality and some weirdness into the proceedings as well. I, I am excited to see Sam Wham- Ramy get weird with like some big Marvel Disney money. I mean, like that that sounds exciting to me uh i'm just like i'm you know i'm i'm a marvel fan so i'm not like you know highly critical of marvel and disney but i will say i am a little bit surprised that marvel would go with a big auteur like sam Raimi, especially in a movie that not only is you know a sequel to a popular franchise uh is probably setting up this multiverse thing for maybe the next phase, this could be the expansion of what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also has to tie into, you know, WandaVision and Loki, and it's setting up things. I feel like Marvel would typically want to have more control over the filmmaker. Brad, mm. do you have any thoughts on that? I mean... Yes and no. Uh, obviously, Marvel has you know their own formula, and they don't want to mess it up, and they you know need to keep things in line with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you know, I think sometimes you really just need to go for a filmmaker who has a good grasp on the material and has a certain uh, style. And maybe you know, after meeting with Sam Raimi, they saw that he fit into what they wanted for this movie. Uh, you know, just because Marvel wants control and uh, oversees their stuff very meticulously doesn't mean that filmmakers won't align with that vision. So, um, you know, I, I think someone like James Gunn had a very specific vision for Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was different than anything Marvel had done before, but it fit in with what Marvel probably wanted out of that movie. So it just uh, it just seems like a happy meeting of the minds. 
Yeah, I, I think we, we can all say that we're excited for this. I'm excited to see what Sam Raimi does with his return to Marvel. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about streaming services for a bit here. Uh, CBS has announced that they're joining with Paramount Pictures, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, and more to create a a streaming service. A little bit late to the game here, but uh, Brad, tell us about it. Well, funnily enough, they're actually early and late to the game because CBS All Access was one of the uh, earlier streaming platforms before the streaming wars really started to heat up. Uh, CBS All Access launched in 2014, gave uh, subscribers access to all of the old and current running CBS shows that were available on the network. And eventually it turned into a place for original programming with Star Trek Discovery, uh, the reboot of The Twilight Zone, The Good Fight... Uh, and there's more on the way. But now, since uh, CBS recently had a merger with Viacom, a company which they were previously part of and then split and now are back together, uh, Viacom, Viacom CBS rather, is interested in combining CBS All Access with all the material that they have from Viacom's media uh, properties like Nickelodeon, BET, MTV, Comedy Central, as well as the film library that they have control of from Paramount Pictures, and also the library of 700 or so movies that they own the rights to from Miramax and creating some kind of streaming service with all that. Um, This would hopefully be the last major streaming (laughs) service contender because uh, no other movie studio really has the clout to create their own streaming service unless they teamed up with somebody else. And I can't see that happening for somebody like Sony uh, or or Lionsgate or, or anything like that. So... This is kind of probably the last entry in the, the major streaming wars. You don't, um, you don't think we're going to get Sony Lionsgate Plus Max? I, I, <laughs> I sincerely doubt it. I think Sony uh, already has crackled, don't they? Yeah, but that's not yeah. really the same, like, on the same par as this, I don't think, is it? Mm-hmm. No, probably uh, not. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's not officially announced. They're supposed to talk about um, at least the consideration of creating this during their earnings call, which is happening on February 20th. But for something that isn't officially announced, it seems like there are some details that have already come out. It's They're supposed to be um, – the default will be an ad-supported uh, version of it. There will also be uh, a, an ad-free version you can pay for and a premium version that will also include access to Showtime. Uh, as of now, there's no price point specifically given, but the anticipation is that it would cost less than $10 a month since CBS All Access is currently priced at $5.99 for an ad-supported version and $9.99 uh, for ad-free. So um, this comes along with HBO Max and uh, Peacock and all the other streaming services that are available out there for content. And and like I said, ho- hopefully it's the last. <laughs> I will say this. CBS All Access was never really a viable streaming service for, for my attention because, you know, it has a lot of, like, just bad network television. And the, the only thing it was like trying to tempt me with was like these new star trek tv series and twilight zone but like you know the what they have like two of those a year like it's not enough to keep me subscribed every month but now that they're joining with you know all the viacon properties uh i mean brad you must be excited because comedy central that must mean that they're gonna have like all the old like comedy central like stand-up specials and stuff like that like there's a bevy of of stuff in nickelodeon like i mean to have like you know all the the catalog stuff of like rugrats and doug and all that stuff that 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 could be worth subscribing to well i'm actually more annoyed than anything because a lot of that stuff has already been available 
uh, on Hulu or Amazon Prime for a while. So I've I've already bit I've dug into you know the library episodes of uh, Doug and Rugrats and Rocco's Modern Life um, and you know Comedy Central presents and a lot of other older Comedy Central shows. So if anything, this is just more frustrating because now it's creating a division <laughs> between where I find my content and now if I want to get access to, it, I I do end up having to pay for all these different streaming services. And honestly, it makes me some somebody out there needs to to come up with uh, an app. That allows you to input every single streaming service that you have into it, and it allows you to explore it as one single library. Because if there's one thing I hate, it's jumping around to all of the different streaming services to see new stuff and scroll through the library and find things. And Apple TV ha- uh, attempted this. They have an app that allows you to you know, access all those things from a certain app, but it's not nearly as fine-tuned enough to allow me to search seamlessly and really easily find uh things that i want to watch from all the different you know subscriptions that i have so it's uh it's just becoming messier as the more streaming competitors enter the arena ben is there anything here to tempt you in the viacom cbs arena of the uh, this new streaming service that will make you pay for another streaming service i don't think so i mean i'm i'm Paramount has a bunch of great stuff in their archives. So, but like, you know, if you look at what HBO Max is doing, it's not like every Warner Brothers movie is going to be made available on on release. They're also going to be, you know, sort of cycling things through. So, I, I'm kind of frustrated that these studios who are, you know, launching their own streaming services aren't even giving people access to the full thing. Like, what's the point of doing it? Um, I don't know. That that's one of my biggest frustrations. So <laughs> I I, be, I basically just need to like go out and buy all of the Mission Impossible movies on 4K discs or something and and just, you know, watch those and and be happy with that instead of like trying to um but even like Brad said, like I think Mission Impossible 3 might be streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Like the you know, they're bouncing and Fallout is definitely on Hulu. So I don't know if this, that's just going to consolidate all of those and take you know rip those away from the services that I'm already subs- uh, subscribed to. So uh, it just sounds frustrating. I, I'm it, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm very uh, you know wary and and annoyed uh, at all new streaming services at this point. Are, are there any like big franchise franchise properties that Paramount owns that they could create an original series for this new streaming service that would? make it worth your while like i like i feel like they could do like a mission impossible thing of some kind but yeah i want to say there was some talk about that a little while like maybe late last year or something um i think they right now have the rights to terminator um transformers yeah transformers the uh, that whole like hasbro cinematic universe so i mean no not really the Naked Gun. I would. I wouldn't mind seeing a, a series based on the Naked Gun, and I'm being very serious about that. Yeah, maybe they I can mean, finally get this Galaxy Quest TV series. Like, get that going somehow. Like, that might be worth it, right? Yeah, and I think I, I want to say, and I may be wrong about this, but I want to say that Chinatown was a Paramount movie, and there, uh, David Fincher, I think, is working on a Chinatown like follow up show, but that's for Netflix. So I, it may same be like, with yeah, same with Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, it may be like produced by Paramount TV or something like that that may be connected to the studio in that way, but it's not going to be for this streaming service. So like, you know, who's to say that if somebody decided to make a TV adaptation of The Godfather or some, you know, some other major, huge, famous Paramount movie that it would even end up on this thing. So I don't know. By the way, a Godfather TV series, I'm not going to say that's a good idea, but that's definitely something that's a movie that could be 
extended into you know seasons. I feel like it, 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 you you could. Th- there's a lot of room to explore that that world. But I guess, sure, yeah. yeah. Depending on the the people involved, I think yeah. I think you're right. I think if if it came out where people, you know, uh, a fan beloved uh, <laughs> auteur or something was behind it, I think people would be excited for it. Yeah. It, instead, we're probably going to get a live action Transformers TV series, which actually that, that's probably not even possible, right? Like, it, sounds it just, expensive. <laughs> yeah, it sounds way too expensive for the. Okay, let, let's talk about other streaming service things. I know Ben. One of the things that annoys you about streaming services is these autoplay like previews. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, uh, lastly, Netflix is finally allowing users to have control over that. Yeah, thank God. Uh, yesterday, Netflix finally, after like years and years of forcing people to sit through the autoplay functionality as people were sc- scrolling through the, the library, uh, Netflix finally said, okay, no more. If you don't want to do this, we're giving you the option to turn this off, basically. So uh, not only can you now turn off the autoplay that happens when you're just hovering over a title when you're scrolling through, but you can also turn off the ability to autoplay the next episode of a show. So you can have a second to sit there and and process what you've seen instead of immediately being hurled into the next episode. Um, <laughs> you know which, what that's good for? That's good for like when you're watching Netflix late at night and you end up falling asleep. But Netflix like thinks is that you're watching the series still, and I'm like, you wake up and you're like five Six episodes further, further, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now I mean, so again, this is just an option. Like you can, if you love autoplay for some reason, if you really, I mean, I guess maybe some people like it, like the ability to just hover over a title and essentially watch a trailer as it's happening. For me, I like reading the description instead of seeing the imagery from the thing that I may or may not be about to watch. And it's always just annoying to like click on a title or hover over it or whatever and like try to be reading this thing. And like all of a sudden the screen fills up and it's the friggin' trailer basically. And the audio is blasting in your ears. I always just like had to put uh, I had to click mute every time I opened Netflix until I figured out what I wanted to watch because it was so annoying to me. So. Yeah, the thing that annoys me is, like, the audio. Like, Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm wondering, like, you know, I'm not going to pretend, like, oh, corporations know what they're doing. But they must have A-B tested this, right? Like, they must have tested this and found out that with the autoplay feature uh, enabled by default that people end up watching more. Or else they wouldn't be doing it, right? Because it's wasting bandwidth on their end and it's only annoying a subset of their audience. Sure. Yeah, I think it must just have been like a, um, you know, they hit a boiling point of people (laughs) complaining about it. And uh, they just decided, hey, instead of like forcing people to do this, let's make people go through a a four step process just to shut up the ones who are annoying us on social media about it all the time. So um, I, I think a majority of people, a huge majority of people are never going to take advantage of turning off this autoplay stuff. But for the very small people, you know, small percentage like me and anybody else out there, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners may be annoyed by this stuff too. Yeah. You can just go to our um, the article at SlashFilm.com and, and follow this very easy process on how to uh, essentially opt out of all autoplay functionality on Netflix. Well, they're also hiding it on their like web interface. So it's not like you can go onto your Roku or Apple TV and like easily change the setting. So it's, I don't know. It's, and I'll say this, I, I'm a person who loves movie trailers, but I am a person that doesn't want to watch the movie trailer right before I watch the thing. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, we'll go to uh, screenings here in L.A., press screenings or premiere screenings, and they'll have on the screen before the screening, like, the trailer on repeat. And as much as I love movie trailers, I don't want to see the imagery from the movie right before I see it. Because I feel like that, like, there is no disconnect. There is no time to forget the stuff that you're seeing. And Mm -hmm. I, yeah, uh, so that annoys me. But yeah, so now there's an, a way to do this. I wish there was they would enable. I love the skip the credit sequence, like when when it has that option. I mm-hmm. wish there was a way to turn that on by default. That like I could be like auto, automatically after the first episode, skip the credit sequence. Mm. But I don't know. Probably not enough people are going to complain about that, so it'll probably never happen. Okay, let's uh let's move on. Let's talk about why the last man. This is a TV series based on the comic book property from Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. Uh, the this has been something in the works for a long time. It's uh was first going to be a movie. It's now going to be a TV series. It seems like it's cursed. Ben, what is going on here? Yeah, the Why the Last Man TV series has uh, hit yet another obstacle in its long, long path toward some sort of screen. As you mentioned, it was originally going to be a movie. Now it's supposed to be a show. It's been in the works as a TV series at FX for a long, long time. And uh, the actor Barry Keoghan, who was in Dunkirk and he was in The Killing of a Sacred Deer and American Animals and a bunch of other stuff, he was originally cast to play uh, York Brown, the last man left on Earth when a this sort of like mysterious event uh, essentially kills off all living creatures with a Y chromosome. So um, except for uh, this boy and his pet monkey ampersand. So um, it is uh, it's a really great comic. And, I'm, I'm, you know, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast before. It's like one of those comics that even people who don't read comics re- regularly should definitely pick up because it'll get you into the medium. And it's it's a really, I mean, fantastic story. But uh, Barry Keoghan has left the project. So now this show has no lead actor. It does have several other people already cast. Uh, Diane Lane, Imogen Poots, Amber Tamblin, and Timothy Hutton are all still on board. They have been you know, attached to the series for a couple years at this point. Um, and I think there was like a, a pilot was shot and all of that stuff. But I, I guess I don't, I don't know if this is a network decision or if this is an actor decision. Um, something happened and they decided to go their separate ways. So now it seems like they're going to be... Um, yeah, having to to go back and and reshoot this the pilot and hope that um, FX decides to move forward with it. But um, yeah, it, it certainly does seem like this thing is cursed at this point. Do, do you think we're actually going to get this TV series on the air? I think so. I think uh, Brian K. Vaughn is uh, is committed to this at this point. I think they've put so much um, development time into. Uh, fine-tuning the script and and getting this thing into a position to to actually have some success and it's gone through multiple showrunners and all that stuff too i feel like there are too many resources poured into this thing at this point for anybody to just give up on it um that seems like a very non-hollywood thing to do so i'm guessing that uh somebody's ego is tied to this thing you know whether it's a a development executive at at fx or whatever somebody is going to want to be the hero in this situation who you know finally sees this thing through and and delivers a, a show that hopefully fans will be happy with after all these years. Yeah, I feel like this is like the uncharted movie of TV shows. Yeah, it yeah. definitely feels like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about our final story for today. And this is Clerks 3, which we know is in the works, but we didn't. Re- we don't really know much about w- what it's going to be. We, we know that Randall and Dante are coming back. And in the sequel, 
they went from the quick stop to a fast food restaurant. And I, I was kind of half expecting Course 3 was going to be about was going to be kind of autobiographical with Kevin Smith, like making clerks, like they were going to make a movie in the quick stop. Uh, Brad, what do we know about clerks three? So clerks three has, you know, been around for a while in some, you know, version form, what have you. Uh, Kevin Smith wrote a script a while back. Uh, it didn't come together as a movie because Jeff Anderson didn't want to make it. There was talk about it maybe becoming a play. Um, and it just was kicked around for a while until it was just dead in the water. But more recently, Kevin Smith revealed last year that Clerks 3 was alive again with an entirely new script, um, seemingly inspired by Kevin Smith's close brush with death when he had a, a near-fatal heart attack not too long ago. And now, after uh, rekindling his uh, friendship and working relationship with Jeff Anderson, uh, Clerks 3 is back, and it's in the works whether it'll actually officially happen this time remains to be seen but kevin smith is still talking about it uh as if it will be a thing and in response to a fan on twitter uh talking about how they didn't really like clerks 2 that much and offering up some lame ideas for what to do uh for clerks 3 as far as the setting is concerned kevin smith said that clerks 3 will essentially go back to its roots uh, and it will be placed almost entirely at the quick stop just like the first clerks movie so we won't be going back to movies. Uh, at the end of Clerks 2, Dante and Randall were back at the Quick Stop, and they actually owned the Quick Stop. But as we saw in Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, the video store is gone, replaced by a red box, but Quick Stop is still there. So presumably they'll still be there living out their lives. We're not sure what kind of developments come along for these characters. I'm sure they'll have something to do with life being fragile and... Uh, touching things that Kevin Smith has learned since his you know, uh, fatal heart attack. So we will see how that goes if this movie ever gets made. <laughs> do, do you think it's not going to get made? I mean, it's tough to say. You know, there's been so many projects that Kevin Smith has talked about that haven't come to fruition. Uh, you know, that's the one time he was talking about doing a Mallrats sequel that turned into a Mallrats series that didn't happen. Now that project is back in a new iteration, just like clerks three and so he clearly has some financial support uh from saban films and other people who are interested in making them for his uh niche group of fans but i i don't know it's just jay and silent bob reboot got such a a weird release that had just a small like fathom events theatrical release combined with the roadshow tour that they were doing where tickets were very expensive so I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it simply because I didn't dislike Clerks 2 and I thought Jay and Silent Bob Reboot was fine for what it was. But because Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, the problems that it has with not really feeling quite in tune with Kevin Smith's old comedic self uh, and the, the writing style he used to have, I just find it hard to think that a return to Clerks and or Mallrats can capture the same kind of, uh, I don't know, love and, and reverence that there there was for Kevin Smith's movies when he was still, you know, a very popular filmmaker in the, the 90s. So, I don't know. Do, do you think Kevin Smith has anything left to say with Clerks? I mean, if anything, I feel like he has all new things to say because of this new place in his life that, that he's in. Uh, he clearly had a lot on his mind for Jay and Silent Bob reboot, even though... 
a lot of it was just based around the nostalgia for bringing back old characters from the VUSC universe. But he, he found something emotional to latch on to with uh, a father-daughter storyline between uh, Jay and his um, estranged daughter that he didn't even know about, uh, played by Kevin Smith's real daughter. And so it's I think he's found a lot of new things to say as he's aging and his perspective has shifted. And maybe it's that that's not lining up with, I don't know, the, the, the fans who grew up with him when he was different. Or maybe it's just because, as a lot of people have said, his storytelling approach and comedic style has changed a lot ever since he started smoking weed. Uh, <laughs> that seems to be a lot of the, the heavy criticism thrown at Kevin Smith these days. But, uh, you know, I just I just don't know. It's just, I think the hardest, the biggest hurdle that Kevin Smith has is giving fans something that feels like what he gave them so many years ago while still feeling like he's doing something new. Yeah, fair enough. I agree with everything you said. Well, we'll have to, I'm very curious what the plot is for Corks 3 because I don't, I don't think it can be them just going back to work at the quick stop right like it has to be something more than that uh i mean apparently it won't be <laughs> apparently it won't be <laughs> if, if, if it takes place almost entirely at the quick stop yeah, so i don't yeah. know fair enough okay. i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised if like this version of clerks 3 is like cycles through a lot of the maybe the same characters who were around for the first clerks but like now they're all aging and they have like their own depressing sad stories of like oh man we can't play hockey anymore because you know uh so and so broke their leg and they're stuck up or so and so's taking care of their their sick mom and blah 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 and so maybe just it'll just be this de- depressing you know <laughs> the, kind the, of the, thing the, of like man man we're all getting old <laughs> the, the same people are just coming in the quick stop and it's like a very you realize how towny red bank new jersey is and how everybody didn't leave and didn't make anything of themselves yeah exactly uh jade silent bob are still selling drugs outside yeah um yeah i'm wondering if that's gonna be depressing i don't know what we'll to say <laughs> okay that brings us to the end of today's slash film daily you can find more of all of our work at slash film.com you can find links to the stories you mentioned on today's podcast linked in the sh- show notes uh slash film daily is published every weekday on itunes google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slash film.com and please rate and view this podcast on itunes tell your friends spread the word and we will see you on monday <laughs>